Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. It's probably only been a little bit since you last heard from us. We have two episodes today. This is our second part to our locker room discussion that we had with you all last night. It was so fun, as always. Talked about so many great things. And Gavin, what did we get into in this episode? Well, we got into some fun draft talk, Alex, which I didn't really expect to come up in this locker room, but it was a good change of pace uh, comparing Josh Giddy to two other guards the Knicks could potentially end up with would it be worth trading up for him or or taking someone else and would he be the guy that the Knicks would ultimately want in a trade up scenario then we get into how the Knicks potentially would match up with the Philadelphia 76ers Uh, I like you thought the question was maybe getting ahead of ourselves a little bit but it was also it was also a cool discussion and just how important Mitchell Robinson would be in that potential series and finally we talk about um, how the Knicks fans treated Trey Young and the Hawks and for Alex and I, what, what sort of crossed the line in our minds and, and what just sort of made for a more competitive, more fun series. All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor in chief of Knicks site The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, play by play, man by day, Knicks podcaster by night. And we're, of course, resuming our Fan Friday discussion with you all uh, from the locker room app last night. Not going to hold things up any further. We'll get right into it with more of our locker room discussion. No, thanks for this, guys. It's, it's great. Only only question I'll ask, and then I'm going to go down. Um, Knicks, uh, I know it's a little bit out, but uh, Knicks get the number 19th pick and the Mavs 21st pick. I believe that's set in stone. If, you're, if they do trade up and the two picks you had to take were Josh Gitney or Davion Mitchell, out of those two players, which one would you take? Um, that's my question to you, and I'll go. If Twitter, you want to like interact or what have you, just talk sports and, and you know talk whatever music uh, at Bryce B eighty eight. But no, this has been great, guys. I love the podcast. Keep doing your thing. Thanks oh, so wow. much, Bryce. Yeah, thanks a lot, Bryce. Uh, good, good question to go out on. I think, I think Giddy has a higher long term ceiling, but to me, Mitchell makes so much sense as a current guy. I mean, the, the only issue is he's he's a bit undersized. Like, if, if you're looking at quickly as one aspect of your backcourt of the future, but what he brings defensively in terms of shot creation and, and shot making, like, it's really, it's everything you'd want in a point guard around, uh, or, or like a combo guard around Randall and RJ. So I think I would slightly lean him with the caveat that I'd want to, you know, like, if I was actually making this decision for the Knicks, I would probably do a real deep dive on Giddy's film and see if I thought there was any superstar potential there. Because personally I like, like if you're six foot eight, you can pass and your shot isn't totally broken. That's someone I'm interested in. And, and the type of stats he's putting up again in a really high level international league where we saw someone like RJ Hampton, who's looking like he's going to be a pretty good player for the magic, really, really struggle. 
um, I think there's there's a case to be made there. I'm kind of talking myself into Giddy as I go, but Alex, Alex, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I would go Giddy as well. I'm a, I am I don't know. I mean, I've been burned in the past by falling in love with physical profiles and stuff, but I don't think that Giddy is all physical profile. I think that's just part of what makes him appealing. Uh, I would be lying if I said that I don't have to do a, a good amount of research into him still. It's kind of nice that I didn't shift into this mode like two months ago, but I haven't really let myself think about the draft too much yet and probably won't until the playoffs are over uh, just because I'm trying to like enjoy the moment. But uh, I, I would say Giddy would be the guy I would probably go with. I just think, I mean, the, the other guy that you didn't bring up is uh, LaMelo Ball too. I mean, not to put him in the same class as like the probable rookie of the year and, uh, you know, a guy who, who, you know, is obviously going to be, I think, a star of some level in the NBA for years to come. Uh, so, you know, not to do that, but, it, you know, it's another guy that put up, you know, like close to, I think it was like eight, eight and a half assists um, per game in the NBL and, and looked really talented as a passer and as a jumbo passer. I mean, I just think those type of guys, you don't really, you don't really let them slip if you get a chance to go after them. And even if he doesn't end up a pure point guard, even if he's just like a tall playmaking combo guard, as his like ceiling, I think that's a really appealing archetype to me. Um, and I, and I, again, it's not like, like I talked myself into Kevin Knox back in the day, mostly based on physical profile and, and, you know, potential and that sort of thing, but not so much on actual skills. I think Giddy presents a, a case of physical profile and some like real tangible NBA ready skills uh, with room to improve. So I, I just think that I would go with him just cause I, I think, tall playmakers are like the wave in the NBA right now. And if you get a chance to get one that has some high upside and throw them to this apparently very formidable Knicks development staff, then I think you, you take that chance and go with the higher upside, you know, taller, better physical profile player. It's interesting because it would sort of be the Knicks building their own version of what the Hawks have done around Trey young, which is just surround like an undersized league creator with like a bunch of like height and, like, Nick's future starting lineup of IQ, RJ, Giddy, Randall, Mitch, that's, that, that's pretty fun. All right, we got, we got a bunch of speaker requests. Four people want to come up and talk. If I remember correctly, Victor Diaz was the first person to uh, put his name down. So, Victor, you're up. What's up, man? How's it going? Welcome in. And he's on mute. There we go. Yo, what's Victor, up? Glad to be now? here. All yeah, is well, man. Glad to have you. Yeah, now that it's on Android, I can finally join you guys. I know it's nice. I'm I'm messing around with this myself. It's uh, it's it's different. It looks different on Android, but it's it's working for me. It's not doing too bad. So, uh, you know, the only Knicks fan in my my friend group got a lot of Lakers fans, Clippers fans, and all that. People have been teasing me for years, and finally, you know, we're done with the teasing. We're a respectable team, but thinking ahead, you know. The Hawks games are, are going where they are, but I'm already thinking about next round because I'm trying to be optimistic, and we're probably going to get the 76ers. I don't see us doing anything if Mitch doesn't come back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> no argument. Yeah, I mean, I think I think in that scenario, Embiid just tears you apart. And when you – I mean, people talk about with the Nets – and they kind of say, all right, you, you, you let him be, get his 50, and then how are they going to outscore the rest of us? 
the Knicks unfortunately don't have that luxury where I think the rest of the Sixers, as we saw in the regular season when they played them with Adam Bede and lost them, I think twice with Adam Bede, that the Knicks certainly would still have their issues. You, you get Mitch back, it's a, it's a little bit more of a matchup. I would still guess that series would probably go five or six games, but I, I think the vast majority, I don't think it would be like the Wizards series. I think the vast majority of them would be close. I, I just think them having like Tobias Harris, who's increasingly turning into a real reliable end of game perimeter option. And the fact that, I mean, e- even if you like, it, it's a joke if you don't have Mitch because Embiid is just going to bulldoze his way through Taj and, and Nerlens like they're paper mache. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even with Mitch, like I think Embiid's at a level where anyone's going to have a lot of issues with him. And Mitch is about as well-equipped as anyone in, in the NBA to go up against that and, and mitigate it a little bit. But I, I wouldn't see that being a super long series regardless. But Alex, what, do, you, do you think it'd be interesting if the Knicks had Mitch? Uh, maybe a tiny bit. I mean, there was always the famous quote from Embiid uh, about Mitch where he he said after the game that he's got those long-ass arms and you know can reach up and block your shot and whatever. Um I do think that Mitch would bother Embiid to a degree, but I just don't think the Knicks as a team would bother the Sixers that much. You know, I think we saw, we saw during the regular season, you know, I mean, they, they did play the Sixers tight in a few games. And I do think that they would continue playing them tight. I don't think the Knicks would get, they would probably get blown out like one game. You know, I, I don't think that any other game would really be decided by more than like 10 points or something though. Uh, but I also think, you know, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Gavin. I, I, I think five, six games, even with Mitch, is probably where it would go. I mean, the reality is, too, even if you do get Mitch back, he's going to be rusty. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, even if he doesn't play, like, his his variety of basketball is not a particularly rhythm-dependent one, uh, like, a, like a shooter. Like, if you had, like, quickly coming off an injury uh, of the same length, it would be much different than having Mitch come off one. Mitch you know, in theory, can sort of slot back in a little easier as far as getting back in the flow of things and, you know, playing his brand of basketball, which is just good defense and rim running, basically. But there there would still be, I mean, even defensively, he'd probably go through some struggles. And it's a hell of a matchup to come back to. If you make it to the second round and then you come back for game one and you have Joel Embiid staring you down from the other side. I mean, that's literally one of the two worst matchups that Mitch could have. Uh, the other being Nikola Jokic, like in the entire NBA uh, to come back to, he'd probably get in foul trouble. It would probably be pretty bad for all three centers on the Knicks, if we're being honest. Um, and, uh, but on top of that, I mean, they still have Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, all those shooters that they have on that team, Seth Curry, you know, all those guys. And I, I it would just be a really tough matchup for the Knicks. And I don't, I don't think they would, I, maybe you go on some magical run and you could somehow pull it out in seven games or something, but I just, I don't really see it. Yeah. But, I can um, be in complete agreement with that. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I, I'm, I'm also not letting myself think too much about that sort of thing though. Cause I, I don't even feel out of the woods yet as far as the Hawks are concerned. Like they're definitely, th- this series might go seven games. It's going to uh, destroy my uh my heart and maybe give me like some sort of arrhythmia or something uh because these first two games have already been enough for a roller coaster ride but um yeah i'm not even quite there yet like I, th- I really need to see how the knicks do in games three and four um before i would even start thinking about that if they can go back to the garden tied 2-2 though for game five then i would feel pretty good about the knicks potentially advancing yeah, I'm, I'm with that. Uh, Victor, before we send you down, any any final notes, uh, social media, anything you want to promote? 
Uh, no, I'm good. Most of my social media is talking about Smash Brothers and tattoos, and I don't think any of the Knicks fans want to follow that. I will say, I uh, <laughs> be it just for the Smash Brothers. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> Uh, well, I tag you guys on posts sometimes. I made that meme yesterday about the Black Panther. That was me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, cool. All right, so I guess, I guess people will see it through us. All right. Thanks a lot, Victor, and uh, I hope you I hope you join back again now that you can. For sure, for sure. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll see you. Thanks, All man. Right. All right, we're going to take our first break. Just a reminder, this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. I if, I got to retire this story soon, but I'm not going to yet. It's it's more fun than just reading the regular ad copy. I got to order something from RockAuto.com recently uh, because I discovered after a horrifying incident where all the lights on my car lit up, check engine light, uh, like the traction light, the cruise control light, all this stuff lit up on my car. I was like getting ready for it to explode, like I was in a Fast and the Furious movie or something. And it didn't happen. Uh, and then luckily I got home and I did a little Googling and it was like, hey, did you check your gas cap? And I looked and I didn't have a gas cap anymore. It turns out in New Jersey where I don't have to pump my own gas, someone left my gas cap sitting on top of a gas pump somewhere. So I went online and I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> I only talk about this like every day. I should check out rockauto.com and see what their prices look like versus some other sites to get me this gas cap that I need. And you would not believe it, but up against even Amazon for literally the exact same gas cap with a tether on it. So I'm not going to lose my gas cap anymore. It was $5 in change for the one from rockauto.com and over $9 for the one from Amazon. A really huge price discrepancy, like almost half from rockauto.com compared to Amazon. They beat Amazon. Insane. And on top of it, you're not supporting, you know, Jeff Bezos or whoever owns advanced auto parts or whatever. You're supporting a family-run business, been around for over 20 years, really cares about making sure you're happy as a customer and gets you everything for the lowest possible price. So if you want to see what's available for your car or truck, go to rockauto.com right now and see what parts are available for your car or truck. And if you decide to pick something up, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And this episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news. Sign-up bonuses and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your big chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sports book experts. All right, Victor, down up comes Joey Landolfa. Joey, you there? How's it going, man? You got me? How are you guys doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, first off, Alex, thank you for mentioning that Android has this now on last night's podcast. Otherwise, I would not be on. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm uh, happy to spread the word of Android. Uh, I, I was getting really tired of using my wife's old like iPhone 6 or whatever. So I figured the second that it got on here, I had to give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend and I aren't home at the same time a lot. So I couldn't even use her iPhone, unfortunately. 
Uh, My question isn't even based on the playoffs right now, but just based on Obi's overall improvement, especially shown in the past, like, month, month and a half. uh, Since he did start organized basketball at, like, such an elderly age, and I say elderly in quotes, it was, like, 16 or 17. (laughs) He was on, like, Austin's high school team for the first time. For him to be 22 as a rookie, it's like, it seems old. But in the sense that his actual basketball career is so young, uh, Joel Embiid is the only other person I know that started quote unquote late at the age of 15. But is there anyone else that has like a career trajectory path like that? That you guys, Mitchell Robinson, Mitchell Robinson, baby. Yep. He was one of them. I actually didn't know um, Mitch started so late. I just assumed since he was seven foot, he started when he was 12. No, there was a, uh, there was a story, um, last year maybe about how, uh, or maybe it was his rookie year, I forget, but it was, uh, I think it was Berman, uh, went and interviewed his old, uh, high school coach. And the story goes that Mitch was 14 or 15 years old. Uh, he wasn't as tall as he, as he is currently, obviously, but the, the high school coach, crazy. I mean, he came, yeah, right. <laughs> but it, uh, he came from a real small town and, uh, the high school coach was just literally like driving around and saw Mitch like walking with two friends or something and like pulled up to him and was like, do you play basketball? And he was like, no. And he's like, do you want to play basketball? Cause you're really tall. And he was like, okay. And he got signed up for high school basketball. Like, I think it was his sophomore year, but it, it, regardless, I don't think he had played before his, before his freshman year. I, I don't know for certain if it was freshman or, or sophomore. So um, he actually even had like a less amount of time in between high school and pros as Obi did. That's actually pretty insane. I did not know that. Yeah. And that's been the whole thing with Mitch too, as far as his development curve, it's been really, really weird to try to predict because he, um, he skipped college as well because of everything that went on with his recruitment and stuff. There was, uh, some issues first. He was going to go to, uh, Western Kentucky, I think, or, or there was another school before West Kentucky. I forget, but, he was going to go there and then, and then, uh, backed out late in the process because there was something as far as his coach or something. And, um, I, I think maybe the coach got fired before the season and then Mitch didn't want to play for the new coach or something like that, which is understandable. You know, the whole college system is kind of a crapshoot in that way. And so ultimately decided just to, just to prepare for the drafts, you know, for a year himself. And, you know, that, that wound up seeing him slip to the second round despite being like a top 10 recruit out of high school. Um, and with and only three years of experience, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. So obviously to the Knicks benefit, um, I'm trying to think of who else. I mean, I, I feel like most of those cases come from, come from overseas. Um, that's I why I knew Steve, the Embiid one. Cause Embiid started when he was like 15. Yeah. Yeah. Like some of the guys that, that, um, you know, come from like Africa and Europe and stuff like that, you know, the, the main sport everywhere else in the world basically is soccer. So a lot of guys start off on soccer and then eventually switch over to basketball. I think Steve Nash was another one that played soccer first and then got into basketball later. Um, I, I know that he's still a big soccer guy because he, he like was like borderline, like good enough that he probably could have played high level college soccer and stuff too, uh, which kind of showed in his basketball game, just, you know, his footwork and everything was always so great. Um, let me see yeah. Weirdly trying. enough, Nash was also, uh, he actually did premier league like, replays or whatever or like post game shows on NBC Sports I'm pretty sure before he actually became a coach again which is odd yeah because he's a huge 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 soccer guy and he's actually very knowledgeable about the sport um Gavin can you think of any other late late guys that got into basketball like I, I'm trying to think of like success story ones 
I mean, Akeem Olajuwon was always similar to Embiid, right? Where he was a soccer player and then he got brought over to America. And I mean, I think maybe started playing a bit in Africa, but I know he was someone who got started really late and then turned into arguably a top 10 player of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Um, Anthony Davis isn't like a late playing one, but he was a late development one in that he became like six. He went from six, three, I think, to like six, 11 in like a year over his final year of high school. Yeah, he went from like. He like wasn't even ranked as a prospect because no, he was a point he was, guard. He was going to Cleveland State initially. Yeah, yeah, he was like six foot two and was like a middling point guard prospect, and oh, then yeah, shot up like Siakam. That's a good one. Uh, that is a good one. Yeah, um, I could definitely use one of those uh, growth spurts myself. I got to five eight when I was sixteen years old and stayed there. <laughs> okay. I, if I had just been able to grow another like. Eight inches, maybe I could have been in the NBA. I think it's something like ten percent of all people seven feet and taller have been in the NBA at some point in their lives. So I could have could have done it, but no such luck, I guess. Good old Sean uh, Bradley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're seven feet tall and you have even like the smallest amount of coordination, someone's gonna peg you to potentially make the NBA. I think that number's probably going down now though, as like the small ball era. And like the the skill era keeps happening, but back in the day, that used to be a thing. Like if you were seven feet tall, you could definitely get like into the NBA, regardless of skill level. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones. I feel like we're probably missing an obvious one somewhere, as far as guys that got into the the sport late. But it, I I would say probably a large number of them came from overseas because by and large, like I feel like you're pushed towards soccer overseas. Uh, more or less until, you know, if you start showing that you're you're growing much taller and with basketball now becoming more of a, a global game, I think then maybe you get sort of pushed towards basketball around like your high school years. But I'd be willing to bet there's yeah, a good I'll, number I'll, of players that, that weren't really into it before high school. I'll throw out quickly uh, one other one is, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, not, not in that he didn't, he, he played like his whole life, but he was more focused on baseball, I think, until he was 14 or 15, and then he broke his wrist playing baseball, and he said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to switch to basketball. And uh, he, I mean, he, he followed an interesting trajectory in that coming out of Louisville, obviously, there were all these questions about him. And, and look, like he wasn't the ultimate underdog story. He was still a lottery pick, but someone who ended up being a lot better than people thought. Actually, Knox was kind of like that, too, because – uh, it's 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 all a father's thing, right? Because because Donovan yeah. Mitchell's dad played in the MLB, uh, Kevin Knox's dad played in the NFL, and was pushing him towards being a football player and towards being a quarterback. But then, you know, you can't you just can't be a football player and be six foot nine because you you just you won't have knees after two years. Um, so once he started getting taller, then Knox's dad was like, "Oh no, all right, basketball is just sport." And then they sort of course corrected and got him got him pushed towards uh basketball as his his path there but uh, especially height wise i feel like most of the taller quarterbacks like paxton lynch uh brock osweiler they end up not succeeding anyway there's something about the throwing the motion yeah it's, yeah it's like over over six five you start seeing diminishing returns generally um but yeah, yeah anyway um yeah cool, cool topic joey any anything else before we uh, send you down uh, no, I'm pretty sure. I'm I'm sure I came into this late. I'm sure there's been a thousand conversations and uh, comments about the game to win. Obviously, super excited. Uh, let's go Knicks. I have been listening to you guys for a long time now. And right. This was the first time I used locker room. And right before I was going to enter this room, there was a room that was also showing in like the like the chat room, like 
I guess, uh, like the advisement thing, like going one of these that said Knicks are frauds. And I was this close to going into that one to defend our New York Knickerbockers instead of coming into this one, which I was. Well, now uh, you can go there and defend our honor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I'm about to go around. Make it, make it. <laughs> Thank you guys. Uh, just real quick, uh, just so anyone that is going to listen to this on here or be a podcast form knows, I am actually also the host of a New York Knicks podcast, uh, Big Nick Energy. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I've seen from Twitter interactions and stuff for sure. I've definitely seen. So everybody should definitely go check out Big Nick Energy. Please do so. Uh, Twitter, uh, right Instagram, after this. it's uh, Big Nick Energy underscore. We try to pay the dude that did have Big Nick Energy, the actual thing. Uh, it hasn't been used in a couple of years, and we can't get a hold of them. Also, right. anyone that wants to follow me is uh, at Joey Landolfa, J-O-E-Y-L-A-N-D-O-L-F-A. You guys are awesome, though. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Joey. Uh, yeah, hopefully everyone goes and checks out Big Nick Energy. And we are bringing up, uh, he's been waiting for a while, Jacob Abro here to bring a Hawks perspective. Jacob, what's up, man? Have, have we said anything slanderous about your hawks or do you, do you think we've been pretty fair uh pretty fair all right cool i'll take that i'll take that oh uh, what, what do you want to talk about uh what do you guys think the hawks need to beat the knicks oh that's a good question um i i would circle back to not having bench units without i was saying like without bogdanovich in with them, but I'll, I'll caveat that. The other guy that they could slot in, who might even be a better option, is DeAndre Hunter, because right now I feel like the Knicks can just really just run over the Hawks like when they have their bench. And maybe that's just because John Collins hasn't gotten engaged yet, and once he does, he'll, he'll, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> he'll be a little bit more of a weapon for them offensively. But I really liked what I've seen from Hunter the first two games, game one, how well he shot the three-ball game two. Like, it was, it was kind of low-key because... He really spread it out throughout the game, but he finished with 11 free throws, made nine of them. I, I just feel like they're they're kind of relying on Lou Will to be their engine of their second unit, and he's just he's not good enough at this point in his career, especially in the playoffs, to do that anymore. So if they switched up their rotation a bit and got Hunter into that role, maybe gave him bogey, or, or, or just like pulled Trey early and then brought Trey back in with the bench guys, I, I think they just need to get more well-balanced lineups out there. And maybe that's just on Nate McMillan to be willing to play a bunch of different guys for 38 minutes or so. I don't quite remember where they were all at by the end of the last game. But to me, it's, it's bigger minutes and, and, and more spread out minutes for their, their big players is pretty essential. And then I'm trying to think if like offensively or defensively, if there's any big adjustments. I think they're doing, obviously, they're doing a heck of a job on Randall. I think Randall did a better job by the end of game two figuring out a little bit like what the shading meant and and the fact that they always brought Capella into his vicinity and the Knicks can beat that if they're just willing to move and pass the ball but that's not really the team the Knicks were all season so it's a really it's a pretty substantial adjustment to make on the fly so I I think that's good I think Atlanta should keep doing that and on offense it's I mean the only other thing I can say is making some of their open threes that they're missing because we, we've seen I, I said it earlier but Gallo has missed a disproportionate amount of just wide open shots and e- even guys like Kevin Herter like Bogey last night was what was he like two for 13 from three like and, and he was look he was taking hard attempts you got to give the Knicks some credit they're really chasing around screens making sure he couldn't get his feet set so he's not always going to shoot well on those but I, I think just getting a little bit closer to season's average. And then, yeah, emphasizing Hunter, to me, is a really big thing because I, I genuinely believe offensively he's pretty clearly the Hawks' second-best player. 
Um, and my second question is, um, what are your thoughts on um, Knicks fans kind of like harassing the Hawks players? I mean, if yeah. I, 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 I did you notice that I got dropped for a sec? I totally got dropped for a moment. Like my app decided randomly to update. Anyway, uh, so to to address that one, I mean, all right. So obviously the the dude who uh, spit at Trey Young is a scumbag and got rightfully banned from MSG, and I'm in full support of that one. As far as the F Trey Young chance and all that, I mean, I don't, I don't consider that harassment. I think that's that's just part of sports. Like, I don't know that those sort of chants happen all the time. Like, you know, you, <laughs> you get bullshit chants. You know, if uh, if the refs make a bad call, you get. Whatever. It's like it, home fans are going to be mean to opposing players because that's just what home fans do. I'm sure that there's going to be some some mean chance in in uh, Atlanta for some of the Knicks players and whatever. Like I, there might even be a retaliatory like like F Julius Chan or something. I don't know. Like I, I have no idea. Or like, you know, overrated or something. Like, you know, there'll, there'll be something. There'll be some fire back. I just I don't think it's a huge deal. I think there are certain lines you don't cross. You don't you don't spit on people. You don't throw things at them. Um, I mean, but there's uh, there's this whole thing with social media now where one thing happens from one person in a building full of 17,000 people, and then everybody says, oh, well, that's just, you know, that's the Knicks fans. Or that's, I mean, even like Philly fans or whatever. Now, granted, Philly fans have, I guess, a little more of a, a rep of like throwing snowballs at Santa Claus and booing him and whatever. Like that's the famous one. You know, there's different things that come up that uh, afflict different fan bases, but I don't think there's anything wrong with with chanting things, even if they're profane. I just I think it's it's kind of uppity to assume that you know that most people in there aren't aren't adults or aren't at least you know adults that are coming there with the understanding that their kids are probably going to get a a lesson in foul language. Because um, I mean, even if you're not chanting, I mean, I know that I'm. I'm certainly the type that I can't hold myself back sometimes where I'll be in my seat at a sporting event and I'll say, you know, F this, F that, like, you know, in relation to even just like play on the court, you know, cause I get angry sports make you angry sometimes. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I don't see what the, what by everything outside of the spit incident doesn't really bother me too much. And, uh, I think it's a little, I like, I, I think it's it's just looking for something to complain about if you're like trying to get on Knicks fans specifically for saying F Trey Young when there's been countless other examples of fan bases in other cities chanting F whoever else if they feel so inclined. But Gavin, I don't know if you feel differently about that. We haven't really talked over the whole the whole uh, decorum thing on the pod yet, so it's like our first time broaching that subject. Ah. No, I feel I feel about the same. I mean, I think it's I think part of what makes sports great is what we saw Trey Young do at the end of game one. And part of the reason I mean, the, the, I mean, obviously, it was like, like, just the shot he made and, and the shot making he showed down the stretch was incredible just from a basketball skills perspective. But again, I mean, to, to throw him a compliment. We've seen young, or we rather, we've seen Randall sort of falter under the spotlight. And it was in for the most part outside of the end of game two. And it was in his home arena. 
we, we saw Trey like with like that vitriol from 20,000 people. Like I, I would, I would be peeing my pants if like 20,000 people were, were, were screaming at me and telling me to go fuck myself. So um, I give him a lot of credit for coming back and saying, yeah, all right, I'm just going to like rain fire from three and like, and dust your guys for floaters. And that's, I think that back and forth is what makes it fun. And I, I don't think, I don't. I I know what Nate McMillan came out and said, but I, unless I missed it, I don't think Trey came out and complained about what the Hawks, what what the fans were saying. So I, I really, I, I kind of think it's it's sort of like acknowledged on both sides. Like that's part of the agreement here. You build your legend by going to an arena where every person in it wants you to fail and succeeding despite that. Now the spinning, I'm, I'm obviously with Alex, way over the line. Happy the guy got banned. Um, same thing with what happened with Russ in Philly. Like the guys who popcorn at him shouldn't be allowed in an NBA game for the foreseeable future. But uh, yeah, that's kind of my take. Jacob, do you think do you think we're uh, off on that, or, or you think that's fair? No, yeah, that right. The reason why I asked that is because I watched a, a video of Kevin Herder's uh, family walking out of the arena, and kind of Knicks fans are just all over their face. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean that's uncalled for too. Like. Well, I mean, we had the same thing with the Raptors fan, like, a few weeks ago. So, I mean, the, the issue is, like, with any fan base, you're, you're going to have your idiots, and it's it's inevitable. I, I kind of agree with Alex. Like, the idea that you're going to, like, you're going to say Knicks fans as, like, a monolith is is stupid because, like, it's probably, like, 20 or 30, that, like, yeah. kids. But, yeah, but, I mean, that sucks, and obviously it's not right. All right, thank yeah, you. Guys. Yeah, I think there's, like, there's a certain line to be drawn to a family, like, there was even, I mean, I'm a Mets fan too, and there was an issue with one of their pitchers the other day. Like, people didn't like that he gave up like four or five runs in an inning and then went and harassed his wife on Twitter. And like, that's just, I mean, it's uncalled for. Unfortunately, like, there is something to be said for like, you know, I, I think the social media era has emboldened a lot of people, you know, that they, you know, like to, you know, talk and act tough more usually it's more online but then you know you get a, a few people together in a group at a at a big sporting event and you know they might feel empowered to do that too and you know it's it's not right at any point i think that all the knicks fans can do which i think people came out in force and did today is just be like hey that's not us like and screw that guy for doing that and making us look bad as a whole um and you know i, I think there's self-policing like that in all all fan bases and uh you know, I was happy to see Knicks fans kind of come out in force and, and condemn that sort of stuff. And I'm sure if, if anybody saw the, you know, people harassing Herder's family too, and, and that came out later, that people would condemn that too. So, um, yeah, that, that's basically where I'm at with that. All right. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks for the, thanks for the questions. Man. All right. Have a good yep. You too. Thanks for popping on. All right. We'll send Jacob down and our, Final speaker is DJ Hampton. DJ, what's up? Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show, I should say. How's it going? And uh, what do you want to get into? Oh, I'm in this. Oh, hey, how you guys doing? Today? <laughs> hey, what's up? <laughs> no, that, that was a great like, my app like closed, and I had to open it back up. And I was like, wait, 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 what happened? It's um, all right. Mine keeps doing that too. I, I'm I'm beta testing live right now for for Betty Labs for their Android product here. So. <laughs> what's up gotcha, dj gotcha. just not much not much just a couple of things uh from last night like there's a like i don't even know how to explain it i'm tired of talking about it there has got to be some something anybody that can like we can start burps for those five or six minutes that elf is out there like you can tell obviously like 
they don't respect him on, on defense. He's all in Trey's face, and Trey's just like, oh, what's up, guy? Splash in his face. Like, as soon as the game starts, it's ridiculous. Like, he has no confidence and no business being out there on the court whatsoever. And it's kind of, like, sad at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're not you're not going to get any argument from me. And that's, I mean, that's been the real, like, killer with this whole elf thing. Like, when he was playing hard and, like, doing his best, it was like, all right, I don't like it because I don't, I, I just, like, it, it was more of a basketball debate, right? It was like, I don't really enjoy how he plays, and I don't think it's particularly complimentary to the other guys on the court. But what we've seen the last few weeks is, like, he just doesn't seem to give a shit. And that's, you can't get past that even when you're a great player and when you're a borderline NBA player talent wise at this point I mean in terms of what he did this year last year there, there was an argument to be made that he was actually pretty useful in some ways um you I mean for you to have played with no effort and like no life and no energy on top of all that and I don't look I don't know what like we we, we said similar stuff about Dennis Smith Jr. last year but like we had the context like he was really going through something like I, I think it's worth noting that before and like not not that like anyone is really going after elf on a personal level, but it's just saying like, you don't know what's going on with someone. There might be a reason, like there might be bigger stuff than basketball going on. But I mean, right now he's just, I mean, it's, it's kind of untenable. I, I don't really, we, we've, we've talked a lot about it already. I don't really have that much more to add on it, but Alex, do you, do you have any final thoughts on that and, and the whole, whole situation with him? Um, Not particularly. I mean, I just think, yeah, I, I, I don't really have too much to add to, to what you said. I, you know, I, I think that you could take the good with the bad with him. Um, and, you know, it, just in general, I, I think he does pretty good on the, the offensive end, which kind of makes up for the defensive to a degree. But, yeah, there, there is some issues with trying to fill that playtime. Granted, I think pretty much anybody other than Elf can do a better job out there, so I'm not particularly worried in that regard either. Um but yeah, I, I don't have too much to add to what you said there, Gavin. And uh, last thing, in the draft, would you rather see us trade up to try to get a Josh Giddy or just wait back to say get like a Sharif Cooper? I'm more partial to Sharif Cooper myself, but I like what I've seen from Giddy. But I like what I've seen from Sharif Cooper as well, and like he played in the SEC in tough conference and was like killing people. Pretty much. Yeah, I think my big. Oh, go ahead, Gavin. Okay, I was gonna say I think my my general philosophy with this draft is just being prepared to move one way or another. Um, because I I think that we saw this past draft the Knicks are not necessarily going to draft three rookies to bring onto the team. Um, and I don't blame them at this point. I mean, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised that they almost tried to trade down like one pick. Um, you know, consolidate those top three, maybe, you know, the, the 19th, 21st and 32nd to try to move up, you know, to some team like the, I don't know. I, I, I don't think the Thunder anymore because they have so many picks now, but some team that's like just starting to blow it up, you know, this off season and is making that decision on draft night of like, all right, it's time to, time to just load up on talent. You know, if they're willing to give you like the, I don't know, 14th pick or whatever. Um, which that'll probably be the Warriors, so it probably won't be them. But whatever, if some team's willing to give you it, yeah, yeah, if some team's willing to give you a pick in that range, um, I think I would be prepared for the Knicks to do that and potentially try to move up, maybe to get a Giddy or someone like that. 
if there's someone that really, you know, impresses them in, in pre-draft workouts and, you know, through their scouting and everything. Um, just cause I, I don't think that they're going to use four draft picks this year. I, I think the, the Sixers one, you could probably just easily use on a draft and stash guy at pick 58. Um, just draft someone overseas who probably isn't going to come over for at least another like two years or something. Um, and, you know, see how that goes. Probably just use his rights and trade at some point as a filler. But the other three picks, I, I don't necessarily see them making all three of. Granted, you might also just be able to do some Brock Aller wizardry like they did this past year and somehow turn, you know, uh, those three picks into like <laughs> two or three better picks somehow. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow the Knicks found a way to finagle two top 20 picks out of their 19, 21, and, and 32 after how things went this past year, just to sort of striking at the right opportunities, uh, to take advantage of teams that wanted to move it at given times. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll see how that all goes, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I have a huge preference. I would just say at this point, I trust the, the scouting staff to do their job right. I, I, I think I just made it known a minute ago. I mean, I'm definitely, I'm a measurables kind of guy. So, you know, and like a, a physical profile kind of person when it comes to the draft. So Giddy really, you know, is intriguing to me in that regard with his skill set. So if, if I had the opportunity to, you know, see into the future and, and see, okay, if you trade 19 and 21 for pick, you know, 13 or whatever, you can get Giddy. But if you keep those two picks, you can get like Sharif Cooper and I don't know, um, maybe take the shot on BJ Boston or something, whatever. I, I might go, I might go the direction of Giddy just cause I like the idea of getting a, a high skill player. That's also a, a big physical profile like that. Um, but I, I wouldn't fault anyone for saying, no, I'd rather get the two other players and, you know, take the Sharif Cooper who maybe has a limited ceiling, but has definable NBA skills from day one and then take a project player like a Boston with that second pick uh, and, and see if you can kind of restore him to his pre-draft or pre-NCAA season glory um, since he had struggled so much this year. But yeah, it's kind of where I stand. Gavin, where are you at as far as all that? Yeah, I think I think I'd pretty clearly go Sharif Cooper. We've had multiple really smart people on our podcast too, who put a lot more time and effort and resources into the draft on, on top of knowing basketball better than we do. Um, and they, like separately have said Sharif Cooper would be an amazing fit for the Knicks in that they what they really lack outside of Derrick Rose is someone who can consistently get two feet in the paint at the point guard spot and they have lacked that for a long time and they haven't really taken a prospect with that capability I mean quick quickly does that to some extent even if that isn't really his main appeal but Cooper seems like one of the better guys in recent memories at breaking down a defense sublime passer it seems like there are there are good indicators on his shot that that will eventually come around to be good. Obviously, at his height, that I think that's a necessity for him to find success. But I, I do I, not that he really showed off this type of skill set in college. But I, and maybe this is a comparison born of not having watched him that much. But I do see a little Kemba Walker in there, only in that he's like an undersized guard who will probably come into the NBA as a bad shooter, but through skill set and hard work turn himself into a really good one and the quickness and the handle and the passing are already there at, at really, really high levels. And you, you give me that in the conversation of him versus Giddy plus an extra pick to Alex's point to try and like 
grab someone with some upside um, w- with the Knicks development staff. I- I'm okay with that. And I-, I like the idea of getting either like a Boston or, I mean, there, there are so many different guys in, in-, in this draft, like a Garuba who-, who fall under that marker of someone who's going to take a few years, but could be still really good down the road. And I, I like the idea of just handing that guy to like Johnny Bryant and Kenny Payne and saying, all right, work your magic. He doesn't have to play for the next two seasons if necessary, but we want him in, in 2024. He's going to be a key part of our playoff run. So I think the Knicks should leverage the very rare opportunity they have, which is a first round pick that doesn't need to contribute immediately and, uh, and go that direction and keep the pick. Uh, but yeah, that, 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 that's my take on it. Ho- hopefully we, we answered the question, DJ. Oh yeah. Always, always, always. Okay. Cool. Um, all right. Um, all right. Do you, do you, do you have anything else or, or if not, we're going to, I guess we'll, we'll wrap up uh, everything. on that, uh, that was all I had. Um, follow me on Twitter. Hamp is the champ. Nick's for life. Hamp is the champ. Do it. Great Let's go next. All right. Thank you, DJ. All right. Uh, we'll wrap up on that. Uh, thank you guys so much. That was, a, that was a brisk hour and 20 minutes we spent together. Um, appreciate you tuning in. And uh, obviously, we'll, we'll have these episodes. You guys, you guys don't need to re-listen to them since you lived it, but we'll have these ones up tomorrow. We will have a recap for you Friday night, Saturday morning of Game 3. Hopefully, that goes really well. Until next time, Alex Wolf. I'm Gavin Shaw. Peace out.